I see a world where there are going to be people with tens to hundreds of Bitcoin after Bitcoin has run up a little bit that are really looking to move from wherever they are. I think El Salvador is going to be the best destination for them. And I think what El Salvador is going to do is say citizenship by investment, it's X amount of Bitcoin to become an El Salvadorian citizen. You got to prove that you have it. If you prove that you have it, you're more than welcome to come. If you're already here, you're an El Salvadorian, you don't have to prove anything. Flirting with Bitcoin podcast. I'm Mandana. And I'm Ian. And, and we're, we're the, the Recefis. My husband Ian is a Bitcoin enthusiast, but I am not. Each week he tries to teach me something about Bitcoin and Bitcoin adoption. We have a lot of fun with it. But I'm not trying to overwhelm you with technical analysis and price targets, babe. You promise? I promise. And I promise we won't overwhelm you with ads. That's because we operate on the value for value business model. What's that? Instead of reading off a bunch of ads, we're going to keep things a little more personal, intimate, if you will. If you enjoy the show, meaning it brings you some value, consider supporting us. That support can be sharing the pot on your socials, recommending us to a friend, and yes, even sending us some money. And since I'm the Bitcoiner, I prefer Bitcoin. And you can send us some on our favorite podcasting app, Fountain. If you want to learn more about the pod, go to flirtingwithbitcoin.com. And if you're new here, make sure you check out the Satoshi Savings Calculator on the site. It's a little app that I built that enables you to set a goal for how much Bitcoin you want to acquire, while also reinforcing certain Bitcoin concepts like the having and Satoshis. To all our fountainheads out there, keep making and sharing clips of the show. We may make the content, but without you, all I'm really doing here is flirting with my husband in front of a microphone. Y'all ready? I am. Let's go. Hey, Mandana. Hola. Guten Tag. Buongiorno. Konnichiwa. Hello. E hola to Brazil. And howdy to Texas. Howdy to Texas. What time is it? The current time is 777-076. And we are approximately 874 blocks since our last recording. And if I give you a dollar, how many acres can I get on sunny Bitcoin Island? Today, you can get 4,062 acres for $1. And it, like, it's, it's pretty well known or big news at this point. Like Bitcoin's doing real good. Bitcoiners are excited right now. I mean, for the year, for the calendar year the calendar of 2023, year, yeah. yeah, it's doing real well for 2023. Yeah, there's a lot of <laughs> smog. I'm, y'all, I'm not on like Bitcoin anything, but people be real smug on the internet who are. Where are you seeing smugness? It's Instagram. Instagram Bitcoiners? Yeah. Oh, I don't, I don't. You don't trust them? I don't like Oh, Ian, you don't know who our listeners are. I, I just want to say like, I just don't see Instagram and Bitcoin ethos kind of overlaying themselves like that. So if you have smug Bitcoiners on Instagram, they're probably day traders. Well, they're happy right now. I mean, yeah, they're, they're up like 50% for the year. I'd be happy too. I look at them and I'm like, you guys are being a little bit too smug right now because it went down a lot last year. But I think everyone is excited because it's doing so well when a lot of other things aren't. Is that really why everyone's happy? 
things that are valuable are starting to rebound. Mm -hmm. Now, is that a real rebound or just a euphoric rebound? And then we're going to see another drop. We don't know yet. But like Tesla is up like 100% this year, calendar 2023. And how much was it down last year? It was down as much as Bitcoin, you know, like 70, 80%, I think. But it started the year off around $100 and now it's at like $200. Mm -hmm. So like Tesla, in my opinion, is a company that produces a product that they sell and they have profits. Probably going to have the most profits for this year out of all the auto manufacturers. And I think people are doing the math and putting their money in. I think people are also doing the math and putting their money into Bitcoin. All right, guys, get your acres while you can. A little bit of housekeeping before we start the show. So looking at the metrics, 37% of y'all are listening to us on Apple. If you are listening, you could actually be earning Bitcoin if you listen to us on Fountain. Well, you guys just experienced is how Ian uh, gives me a talking to. It's very gentle, but as you can tell, there's disappointment in his voice. This isn't, <laughs> this isn't disappointment. He's like, it's come to my attention that you're using Apple Podcasts and I'm really disappointed in you. You should be using Fountain. This isn't disappointment. <laughs> Um, I under, I understand that, that <laughs> Apple and, and Google and the likes, like, you know, they make things easier, but if you are listening to a Bitcoin podcast and you are interested in like Bitcoin and getting Bitcoin, this is a very simple behavioral change that will actually earn you money. If your loyalty to Apple and convenience is more important than Bitcoin, by all means, continue to use Apple. But um, Apple doesn't give you money for listening to podcasts. It's that simple. And I assume we have referral links in our episodes. And, or we used to. Can you put one in there for them? It's in the description. Okay. Everything that's in the recommended section is technically a referral link. Um, give it a shot, guys. But um, I still love you no matter what you use to listen to us. Yeah. this is. But Ian's love is conditional. <laughs> this isn't about love. This is about respect. This isn't about respect. <laughs> this is about if you do care about Bitcoin, you could be earning Bitcoin just by listening to us. That's all. But if you don't want to, that's fine. Like, no, but in all seriousness, I mean, I am I am I am being serious when I say like this is the energy Ian comes to me when he wants is suggesting that I shift my behavior. He's always right. So just listen to Ian and switch over to Fountain. Can I get that in a text message or something? I say that all the time. I trust your judgment. Yeah, you don't say I'm always right. You're always right unless I'm right. And then I have to explain to you why I'm right. But about something like what app to use to listen to a podcast, you're what do I know? Yeah, you're right. There are things that I'm right about that you question, but you eventually see I'm right about. But for you, I give you the benefit of the doubt a lot. So I know I'm the only one married to Ian here. So it's easy for me to say, like, you know, just listen to my husband. But really, when it comes to like applications, if Ian's suggesting or recommending one, like take the recommendation, he does his research. He knows what he's talking about. And really, like on Fountain, you can pull a good amount of stats. So give it a shot. We don't work for Fountain. We're not sponsored by them, but I'm just trying to get you paid. (laughs) We're trying to get everyone paid. There's only so much Bitcoin to go around. And once people actually figure out what Bitcoin is, it's going to be a very scarce thing. If you can get it now for just listening to a podcast, you are going to laugh with your kids and or grandkids and tell them how you made 10,000 Satoshis just by listening to a podcast, because that will blow their mind that you could do that in 2023. I know that sounds hyperbolic. I know that sounds like, oh, yeah, 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 you Bitcoiners are always talking about how things are going to be great in the future, but 
There's a little anecdotal piece of data that I'd like to give you that happened recently. Charlie Munger, who's like Warren Buffett's like right-hand man, he's like 80 or 90 and pretty much going senile also. But he was talking about Bitcoin the other day using the normal talking points that people like Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger use. I believe it was Fox News or one of like the financial shows actually like checked him and was like, I don't think Charlie Munger has read a single page of the Bitcoin standard. Like that was said on a cable news network this week in response to something that Charlie Munger said about Bitcoin. So the FUD is only going to survive for so long, it seems like. After a certain point, the FUD just becomes obviously wrong, Yeah. right? And so this is what happened with Tesla. And this is like my whole argument when I said we should move from Tesla to Bitcoin. I watched all this play out with Tesla. I watched everyone say that, oh, this isn't going to work. They're never going to be able to create an electric car. They're never going to be able to create an electric car that people want. They're never going to be able to create an electric car that's affordable to people. They're never going to. They're never going to. Yeah. They're never going to. Right. And now if you go to those same people, they're all singing Tesla. And that crazy. was the reality five years ago. People were like, it's crazy if you have a Tesla. Yeah. And now it's like, yeah, we're looking at a car. I don't know. We looked at the Tesla. It's a little expensive. We're looking like that's what I hear now. Yeah. Everyone kind of wants a Tesla. Exactly. And so Teslas are tens of thousands of dollars. You can buy $1 of Bitcoin. So in my opinion, what's going to happen is it's not going to be large purchases of Bitcoin. It's going to be a bunch of small purchases of Bitcoin. That's why I'm kind of advocating or that's why I'm reiterating the fact of like you can get your Bitcoin by just doing nothing different. Just listen to a podcast on a different platform. And we promote most of our episodes. So if you're streaming at least our show, you'll get more sats than if you're just listening to other podcasts through that app. So like any podcast that's out there is available on Fountain. Mm-hmm. But our show we promote so that our listeners make a little bit more money. Um, so, yeah, it's worth trying. I get like changing your habits is difficult, but it's, I don't know, it's worth it. While you're listening to us right now, just go to the show notes, click the referral link, try to get it going. It's a web-based browser too, but you need to download the app to actually earn the sats, but you can do it. I believe in you. All right. Well, we just finished the second Flirting with Bitcoin challenge on social media this week. It was really cool. A quick refresher. We asked people to spend up to 50 US dollars on Bitcoin. Show us the proof on social media and we'd match it up to $25 on Twitter, Instagram and up to $50 on Domus. And I think we got a couple of our listeners on Domus who hadn't before. It gave them that incentive. It's not Domus, it's Nostra. Oh, Domus you're right. Is, it's no straw. My bad. Thomas is just one I need of the many that together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I thought that was really cool. People put different amounts towards it. We weren't kind of like the only people who had that idea of spending money on Bitcoin instead of Valentine's Day. I kind of saw that discussion floating around. Yeah. Uh, so it was cool that like we had the challenge to offer up to people and you don't really lose anything by doing it. It's interesting enough. Like if you did it last week, though, you got more stats than you did this week. Mm-hmm. Like if you were last minute with your Valentine's gift. <laughs> <laughs> you got less sats, right? Technically, so yes. It pays to be proactive. But shout out to the winner, Plebiscito. This is not going to be the last challenge we do. So if you didn't participate, please look out for the challenge next time. And of course, if you are in a situation where you want to get someone a gift, don't wait for us. Do it on your own. Um, give them the gift of Bitcoin. It's the gift that's going to keep on giving.
it's time for shout outs. Our booster of the week is from I Love Sushi. Our other big boosts came from P Ninja, Zordon, Hunter SF770, and Cat. Thanks for listening, guys. All right, so I know a couple of things have happened in this past week that have uh, got you tickled or excited. Is that a good way to describe it? Maybe. Maybe. It depends on what, what story or oh, what, it's, some what of you're it, talking some about. Some of it tickles you, some of it. I don't think so, but maybe maybe you know something I don't know. I, okay, so the first story, I'll introduce the topic because we talked a lot about this last week. And I had a lot of opinions. As usual. As usual. So the topic continues of Bitcoin NFTs or inscriptions. Mm -hmm. What's going on with them? The community has, you know, had its discussions in its various forums, whether on Twitter or Nostra or different people's podcasts or whatever. Flirting with Bitcoin podcasts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because Bitcoin is all about consensus. It seems to me that the consensus around this is that they haven't broken any fundamental rules about Bitcoin. They are using it in a way that maybe people wouldn't like because it's NFTs and that was a trash activity from all the other altcoins. But fundamentally, they are just writing down data to block space and they're paying the going rate for that in a free market. If it's technically not hurting anybody, like we talked about last week, it's, um, you could call it graffiti, but fundamentally I think people are coming around to the idea, which is my analysis of it as well. Is like, I might not like it. Yeah. That's to but, be your stance on it. Yeah. It's like, I don't like it. I, I wish that NFTs didn't really exist because it seems like at the end of the day, they're always just a, I created a bunch of images that now have value because I made them rare, but fundamentally it's just a JPEG. It can still. be replicated, yeah. Right? Like it's just data. Okay, let's let this, the like I said last week, the last hurrah, people are going to overpay for JPEGs using Bitcoin now. Fine, whatever. But the thing that I think is most important here is that they are showing that Bitcoin is valuable, but it's actually the block space that is valuable. I messed up on this last week. There's only four megs of block space available to write to every 10 minutes. And that's never going to change probably forever. As more people come into the Bitcoin community, as more people figure out like things that they can do with Bitcoin, it might not be JPEGs, but when more people want to write to this block space, it is becoming more valuable real estate. And if people are willing to pay, if they want to pay a higher rate, that's on them. If you want to overpay to, to store a JPEG, like... So you think it's like a victimless crime? <laughs> I think that as with everything else that's happened so far, people just kind of have to watch it play out to understand like it wasn't that NFTs were the problem. It's that we hadn't actually thought about how valuable is a block, because right now, fundamentally, a block had no value to it. There was no value to the block. It was just I need to move my Bitcoin from point A to point B, and I do it by putting a transaction on the block. But now there's like all these inscriptions and you might not get your transaction from A to B for a long period of time. Now it's like, wait, the space itself was valuable and maybe that wasn't priced accordingly. I don't know if NFTs are going to last, but I do think that there will be something that ends up writing data to the blockchain that's going to be very valuable. And it's going to be, I don't want to say as valuable as Bitcoin, but it is going to show that those four megabytes are extremely valuable. A lot of people are out here testing this out right now. 
Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, a lot is relative. The, the The point of the article that we were talking about is that, you know, last week they were at like, I think, 25,000 inscriptions and now they're at like 100,000 inscriptions. Okay. So like it's growing. But this is what we saw with like NFTs on other blockchains. Like it just you get an artist, they create a set of images and then they try to sell them. It's going to grow. We don't know how long this cycle is going to take to play out where people realize like, oh, these images aren't worth anything. Yeah. So it might take months. It might take years. So Um, do you think that this is going to be in a a way predatory? I think NFTs were successful because they were being marketed and sold to people who were willing to put money into altcoins. So like the first NFTs were, I think, pretty much on Ethereum. Then other chains were built like Solana uh, that were going to be faster and be able to hold more NFTs or whatever, right? Yeah. It was like the value of it going up was kind of linked to the value of the altcoin also going up. Exactly. And so you're putting NFTs on the Bitcoin blockchain, people have to buy them using Bitcoin. And why would you give up your Bitcoin for that? Exactly. Yeah, that's where I'm like, ah, it's exactly. People just have to see how this plays out and who's going to try to be the face of this. I just think it's very interesting to try to sell NFTs to Bitcoiners. Yeah. Like fundamentally, that's what they're trying to do. Obviously, they're selling yeah, some, some, right? Yeah. Fundamentally, you're trying to sell NFTs <laughs> to Bitcoiners. And while they may not all be Bitcoin maxis, I think as things get worse economically. And as the price of Bitcoin goes up, like, why would you be giving up your Bitcoin? The the price of Bitcoin is really irrelevant. I know, but I mean, this specific week, right? When you're saying like last week, there's 25,000 and now there's 100,000 inscriptions to that same week. It went up what? Like from 22,000, 25,000 NFTs are fundamentally fiat. Bitcoin is scarce. No one can make more of it. NFTs, every day you wake up, someone can have a new set of inscriptions that are for sale. Mm -hmm. There's no limit to how many inscriptions can be for sale, Mm -hmm. theoretically. So there's no cap. There's no like 21 million cap for inscriptions or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. So like fundamentally, anyone can create inscriptions. Anyone can offer them up for sale. The only thing that makes your inscription valuable is, is someone willing to pay more than you paid for it. So going back to like, I think some of our earlier discussions about Bitcoin when you were trying to teach me all of this stuff, is it going to be a red flag if there's a supposed Bitcoiner that's getting into the inscription business? For you personally. It was funny because on one of our earlier episodes when we were talking about NFTs, I said exactly like, if they come to Bitcoin, we'll get some. But now that I see... I remember you saying that. That's why I asked you last week. I was like, we're not buying any, right? And you're like, no, 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 we're not buying any. And I was like, phew. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because this seems like a waste of money. I didn't know how they were going to come to Bitcoin, right? Like I just said, if if and when they come, we'll get some. How they have come, nothing has fundamentally changed. Also, I think my energy around NFTs was definitely more curious back then. I didn't know what they were. Like you were explaining it to me. And they were much more popular than like, this was maybe summer last last summer maybe podcast is only a year old so yeah but still like in that short amount of time there were a bunch of celebrities getting into nfts and like it was becoming a growing trend where i remember a lot of people i would say hey ian and i started this podcast it's about bitcoin and they'd be like oh i'm really curious like i've been trying to get into nfts and i would be like we don't talk about that stuff and they'd be like oh you know and so that was kind of the world that we were in nobody's talking about nfts now in mainstream culture outside of like the crypto world probably like nobody when they hear that i have a podcast about bitcoin bring up the term nft right because all those things fundamentally went to zero yep so everyone lost money and no one likes to lose money 
And when people lose money, they don't like to talk about losing money. So mm-hmm. someone still has all those NFTs. They didn't just disappear. Like someone is still holding a bored ape. Was it uh, Jimmy Fallon and Paris Hilton were like showing off their bored ape NFTs on one of his episodes, right? They still have those, <laughs> right? But they're not talking about them anymore. Yeah. And they, they didn't care about them then and they don't care about them now. They were mm-hmm. paid to talk about them. It says they were paid to talk about them just like the Super Bowl commercial. We saw... Technically, what F- FTX was doing, but what just the crypto community in general was doing. So back to my original question, if there is a Bitcoiner that you know and respect currently and they get into this Bitcoin inscription game, is that a red flag? Sure. Why not? Yeah. Like if you're just trying to nail me down on an answer. You sure. know, I am. Sure. You guys, you heard it here first, guys. But I don't. That's my point. Ian Reese. Like, He's watching you. But that's my point is that I don't I don't think that is going to happen. Bitcoiners are going to get into inscriptions. Yeah. What I do think is going to happen is that NFTers are going to migrate over to the Bitcoin network and, and from it up. And from that cohort, a few of them will be uh, baptized by fire and will understand maybe they came for the NFTs. They stayed for the Bitcoin. Put it on a T-shirt. Probably going to be an inscription. That was funny, babe. Usually I'm the one who makes the jokes around here. You know, I didn't do stand up for like a decade. You did do stand up for a decade, but somehow I'm still the funny one in the relationship. If we both try to be the funny one, then we're just going to be competing for who's funny. It's not a competition. I'm the funnier one. I mean, I have literally video documenting laughs. Yours is all hearsay. My laughs come from you. I laugh at everything. You laugh with me. Sure. But you laugh at other things. <laughs> All I'm saying, Mr. Chuckles, that was a good that was a good joke. And I liked it. Thanks. And I like you. I try. All right, baby. What's the next news story? The next story, it's Bitcoin related, but it's also Nostra related. And since we're trying to talk about Nostra now and it's and it's interweaving with Bitcoin, this is our flirting with Nostra segment of the show. Ooh, can I make a song for it? Uh, sure. We're flirting with Nostra tonight. Flirting with Nostra. Flirting with Nostra. So the state of Wyoming has, the legislature has passed a bill. It's going to the governor for a signature. But the state of Wyoming has passed a bill that protects your private keys. I'll just read what the bill states so that I don't misspeak. No person shall be compelled to produce a private key or make a private key known to any other person in any civil, criminal, administrative, legislative, or other proceeding in this state that relates to a digital asset, digital identity, or other interest or right to which the private key provides access unless a public key is unavailable or unable to disclose the requisite information with respect to the digital asset, digital identity, or other interest or right. Now, that's a lot of words. Yeah, that unless gets my attention, though. That's a lot of words. But the core point here, shall not be compelled to produce a private key. But then it said, unless the public key can't get them the information they need. Yeah. So they can be compelled in certain situations. This is why it's part of the Nostra segment, right? So let's use Nostra. You have a public and private mm-hmm. key. If you go to a court, and I'm just hypothesizing. And that's just your login information. Technically, only your private key is login information. And your public key is what people can see. Everyone can see your public yeah, key. Yeah, yeah. Hypothetically, and this is just a hypothetical. I'm not saying this is how this will play out, but I'm just using this as an example. Someone wants to see all of your tweets on Nostra, right? In a Twitter world, 
they would need your username and password, or they'd go to Twitter with a court document and say, Twitter, give us everything in the database on this username. Why right. couldn't they just look at my profile? Well, there's DMs and stuff, right? Like, Oh, okay. Okay, right? So okay. like with Twitter, because it's a username and password and you don't really control your password, that's in Twitter's database. Twitter can basically lock you out of your account and do whatever they so want that, to do. It's their information. It's their information. Yeah. With this law and how Nostra works, you can't compel me to give over my private key because my public key is basically made available to the world. But we're technically trusting these apps that we give our private keys to that put us on Nostra, right? Just using Domus for an example. Yeah. Like it's an open source project. Mm -hmm. uh, the one I use, Amethyst, is an open source project. You can go in there and look at the code to see that they're not doing anything nefarious mm -hmm. with your private key. They're not sending it off to some database, right? I would be very leery of a not open source mm. Nostra client, okay. right? I trust you're not doing anything nefarious because it's open source. So that means you're not even storing the private key that's associated with my public key? I mean, there's I'm sorry, I'm getting pretty technical. You are getting pretty technical. But are you impressed that I'm asking these questions? It's impressive that you're asking the questions, but it's kind of missing the point. <laughs> Right. Damn, so like you understand, but no, like you, brutal, under, you understand the technical part of it, right? You're yeah. like, I gave you a private key. It's got to go somewhere. Right. And wherever it went, it's like, is that secure? Yeah. Right. And can Domus get my key and just turn it over just like Twitter could turn over my yeah, password. Right. Exactly. Okay. Without getting too technical, the answer is no. Okay. Right. But what this law says is that it's not just that you cannot be compelled. It's that even if Domus had your private key, they could not be compelled. They could not be compelled. Law enforcement can't compel you. Sure. All of that stuff. Sure. Now, we'll see how this holds up in court, because obviously this is a bill that's been passed and it hasn't been kind of signed into law yet. But when you take this bill and then you look at how Domus works, it basically says you can never take my Domus account, my, my, my Nostra account, mm -hmm. right? Now, that doesn't mean that you can't see everything that I've posted on Nostra, right? Because my public key is available and you just plug it in and you can see all the things that I put out there. But this bill wasn't written for Nostra. This yeah. bill was being put in the works for Bitcoin probably before Nostra really took off. Yeah. So what Wyoming was doing was trying to protect people's Bitcoin private keys. Um, we got Senator Loomis from Wyoming. She's a pretty big Bitcoin advocate. Um, we got uh, Caitlin Long. She's not a politician, but she's trying to start a bank uh, called Custodia. I'll put a link in the show notes. But Wyoming has like a pretty decent Bitcoin vibe going through it already. I don't think you've ever mentioned this to me. What? Mentioned what? Wyoming. Well, I mean, all the action's happening in Texas, mm -hmm. right? What, Seems like things are happening in Wyoming, too. So Wyoming is a little different than Texas because Wyoming has, I believe, a single representative in the House of Representatives, and they have a very small legislature and a very small population. That's easy to get stuff done. It's not that it's easy to get stuff done. It's that there tends to be a consensus in Wyoming. So when you talk about consensus and what Bitcoin is about is consensus, the fewer people there are, the easier it is to form a consensus. Some of the ethos of Wyoming, similar to Texas, similar to you know Colorado and like the West, which is like government should stay out of my shit, full stop. Now, if I got to write down each thing you need to stay out of, fine, I'll do it. And it seems like they felt it very important to write it down. And like I said, this bill was specifically targeted at Bitcoin. But 
because Nostra works on public and private keys also. They didn't say Bitcoin in this bill. They Mm -hmm. said private key. So now you have, if this goes through in Wyoming, you have like ultimate freedom of speech and ultimate monetary freedom in Wyoming. Yeah, until the federal government comes in and says, fuck your laws. (laughs) Well, uh, I don't think they would win that battle. But there will be that battle. It'll happen. I mean, that battle has technically already happened. And that's the thing about Bitcoin and cryptography that I think a lot of people are missing when the Bitcoiners get really excited about how it's inevitable. We've already had the argument about cryptography being protected as speech. We've already had that battle and the government lost. There's a DOJ case. We can do an episode on it. But the short of it is that they tried to say that encryption was a national secret that should not be knowable. The people just printed it all out, all the code out on paper and said, well, it's speech. Like, it's just a mathematical equation. There's nothing special about it. And they backed off and they lost the case. This has already been settled that encryption is protected. The government has already lost this argument when it comes to encryption. And a lot of people are unaware of that court case. And we can we can do a whole episode about that. But why, what Wyoming is doing, while we might have won the battle with, well, you can't make encryption illegal, this is saying the thing that can unlock the encryption is protected. And if they pass this and they try to take it to court, if the government, the federal government tries to take the state of Wyoming to court over this, I imagine that they would lose because you just pull up that previous case and say, you're basically compelling someone. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how it plays out because I think the right to free speech is different from access to information. Right. So here's the thing. Let's let's try it a different way. I don't have a, a private key anywhere. I got 12 words memorized in my head. Yeah. You know, as the government, you know that I have 12 words memorized yeah. in my head. How do you compel me? Yeah. I mean, that, that's what we talked about, I think, in our second or third episode. But this is my point, yeah. right? So like, how torture. do you... Torture. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's the only way. So the federal government has to torture me yeah. to get me to say these 12 words that will recreate my private key mm-hmm. that will then unlock my Bitcoin. While I would like to say the federal government isn't in the business of torture, we know that they are. Mm-hmm. So this is like a little bit of extra like, hey, you can't compel yeah. someone to turn over their Look, private I'm keys. I'm with you. I think this is like good legal precedent to set and all of those things. But I don't think that this is going to I think that there's going to be a fight ahead. I think there's going to be a fight and I think it's that the government is going to lose. Yeah. I forget. I saw it somewhere. It doesn't say it in this article, but the state of Wyoming, whatever circuit of the courts that it is, that basically doesn't like the federal government. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So like when you talk about like going to court, it's not like they're going to court in the Southern District of New York. I think the federal government would have a better chance of winning if they were in the Southern District of New York courts. But I saw it somewhere. Someone tweeted on Twitter or Nostra or whatever, like, good luck trying to win in the insert circuit, mm-hmm. right? So I think that the part of the reason why this bill has made it so far is that people in Wyoming that are Bitcoiners, um, which I think this kind of signals that there's a little bit there's a little bit more Bitcoiners in Wyoming than people want to admit. You know, Kanye has some land in Wyoming. You know, Kanye spent a couple months in Wyoming. Is he a Bitcoiner? I think Kanye's a Bitcoiner. I feel like he'd be talking about it. I don't know, man. But I don't want to get into the Kanye tangent. The point is, <laughs> is that... You're really trying to uh, resuscitate Kanye. Kanye can resuscitate himself. Uh. All I'm saying is that I've never been to Wyoming, but it seems to me like all the wealthy people in this country have land in Wyoming. Yeah, they now, do. Now, the They're state of Wyoming them. has now passed a law 
that says, you can't compel me to turn over my private keys. I would just take that one step further and say, if you are a wealthy person who understands Bitcoin, maybe you don't have to go to El Salvador. Maybe Wyoming is going to be the little oasis. If you're concerned about people coming for your Bitcoin, maybe Wyoming is the place to go. You don't Mm, have to leave the New Delaware. Maybe the New Delaware. But I think that it's because the population is so small and Wyoming is pretty much a proof of work state. I mean, being a rancher is proof of work. You know, it's like, oh, my dad came here and it was nothing. And then we put up this barn and we got all these cows. And, you know, then we put that. It's like it's all a bunch of people that just put it all together with their dad. I mean, I'm going to be very honest. I don't know much about Wyoming. It's a wonderful place. It's on my list to go to. I think this bill that they've passed kind of shows me that, like, there's something going on in Wyoming that we're all not aware of. Because I would have expected this bill to come out of Texas. I would have expected this to come out of Texas. And the fact that it came out of Wyoming is very surprising to me. Speaking of Texas, not to be outdone by Wyoming, it was just announced that El Salvador is going to open a Bitcoin embassy in Texas. Sound like you're questioning that, but the article's right in front of you. Yeah, but like, what does it mean to be a Bitcoin embassy? I don't know what it means, <laughs> right? Like, I'll be honest with you. I don't know what this means, um, but this isn't the first one that they've done. The first one was in Lugano, Switzerland. Mm-hmm. And Lugano, Switzerland is a place where Bitcoin has become legal tender within the city. So I imagine Bitcoin embassies will be opened up where Bitcoin is legal tender. It's opening in Texas. It's not legal tender in Texas. So does that mean something's happening that we don't know about? Or does that mean that El Salvador is just trying to plant flags in places that it thinks are very Bitcoin friendly? Yeah, like it's just a new embassy, but they're putting Bitcoin in front of it. Yeah, I mean, it got your attention, right? Like if I told you El Salvador was opening an embassy in Texas, nobody would care. Mm -hmm. I say a Bitcoin embassy. Yeah, it's branding. It's marketing. Yeah. And so Bitcoin has really helped rehabilitate El Salvador's brand across the planet. But I think there's a little bit more to it. Obviously, it's just speculation at the moment. But I do think that Bitcoin embassies are going to be, as like the world operates today, it's going to be a different type of diplomatic outpost. So you have consulates, you have embassies, right? Fundamentally, those are just places that are representations of your country in another country. The United States has embassies all over the world, and it picks and chooses where it puts its embassies, and it sometimes takes its embassy away as like retaliation or punishment, but it's like, we didn't really want you here anyway. But I think what El Salvador is doing with their Bitcoin embassy, it's focusing attention on Bitcoin, pointing out how when you do things in Bitcoin, it's a little different. And so a Bitcoin embassy from El Salvador really means like, hey, if you're any type of politician in the United States who doesn't feel like they're getting the information straight and doesn't want to fly to El Salvador. It's diplomacy. See, it's yeah. diplomacy, yeah, right? Yeah, I get that. I, so I think like, I was also thinking, like, if it's business between the state and El Salvador, because the article does cite, like, the amount of money, commercial transactions that the country and the state have. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the thing that kind of was like, huh, is that, you know, Bitcoin has no borders. Yeah. So that's what I hear Bitcoin embassy. I'm like, you don't, you don't need to go through a government to do your Bitcoin business. Right. But, but I is, understand what you're describing. But this has nothing to do with Bitcoin. This is just El Salvador putting the word Bitcoin yep, in yep, front yep, of something, yep. right? To get people's attention. Yeah. Now, I do think that there are a decent number of politicians in the United States for political reasons are not going to go to El Salvador to meet with Bukele, right? Like that's just probably not going to happen. But I do think that they're more than willing to go to a diplomatic outpost of another country inside of our own country and have a conversation, Mm -hmm. right? 
Now, Tucker Carlson has interviewed Bukele. He's interviewed Michael Saylor. He's interviewed Max Kaiser. I would argue that Tucker Carlson has educated his listeners to Bitcoin the most out of any talking head in like legacy media. Just by having those three people on. I've watched all three interviews. Like if you knew nothing about Bitcoin, you definitely had to take something away from it. Um, Say what you will about Tucker Carlson. So I think this Bitcoin embassy is just like, you know, as a politician in the United States, you could go to the embassy and say, I'm here on behalf of my constituents. I want to see if Bitcoin is right. How is it working yeah. in El Salvador? Why Why did you do this in El Salvador? El Salvador has like this massive gang problem. Let's send the mayor of Baltimore to this place. <laughs> if, if Bitcoin has done for El Salvador what it appears it has done, what happens if Baltimore does the same thing? Why can't Baltimore be changed in 18 months and all the gangs rounded up? We have gang problems here, too. Mm-hmm. It just seems like it takes a will. We they- have El Salvadorian gangs here. We do. <laughs> but the point that in the I'm- area that Ian and I live in, we have a major El Salvadorian gang problem. I'm not putting an adjective in front of the gang. I'm just saying we have gangs. Yeah. You know, I was like having a shower thought the other day, you know, I was saying to myself, I'm a United States citizen. And with that, I have the right to technically move anywhere in the country that I want. We have this construct called countries. And so because we're countries, if I want to go live in, let's just say El Salvador for the purpose of this conversation, I can't just go live in El Salvador. There's like a process, right? I think that what El Salvador is doing is breaking down the walls of that process. I predict in a very short amount of time, El Salvador is pretty much going to open its doors and they're going to say, everyone is welcome to come, bring your best, brightest, and we're not going to do this BS of like, you can't come in. I see a world where there are going to be people with, let's say, tens to hundreds of Bitcoin after Bitcoin has run up a little bit that are really looking to move from wherever they are. I think El Salvador is going to be the best destination for them. And I think what El Salvador is going to do is say citizenship by investment, it's X amount of Bitcoin to become an El Salvadorian citizen. You got to prove that you have it. You prove that you have it. You're more than welcome to come. If you're already here, you're an El Salvadorian. You don't have to prove anything, right? Like what that really means is that, you know, Bitcoiners are working fiat jobs and converting that fiat to Bitcoin, right? Even if you borrowed money to buy the Bitcoin. Which Which, that's aggressive. People do it. But even if you borrow money to buy the Bitcoin, the Bitcoin itself is valuable. The debt that's associated with that Bitcoin is probably going to do you in if you do too much of it. But I think that having Bitcoin in the very near future is going to be the way that you show that I'm a productive member of society. Because if you're a person that's walking around with money that everyone kind of understands, when this all fiat thing falls apart, and everyone understands that like it's just printed money and it's not real. You want to throw a bag full of gold on a plane and go to El Salvador, be my guest. But I think that people are going to understand one way or another, whether they like it or not. The only way you can get Bitcoin is through doing some type of work. Yeah, and but don't you, you can... think that the day that that happens, other countries are going to embrace Bitcoin? No. You think they'll let it burn to the ground before they embrace Bitcoin. You're seeing what they're doing. They're creating CBDCs and saying that Bitcoin is bad. Yeah. That's what they're doing. As Bitcoin exists, they're still telling people Bitcoin is bad. Mm -hmm. What you want is this new thing that we're printing. Yeah. (laughs) Right? There's that movie. What was it? Where like the planet freezes or something? The world after tomorrow or something like that? I never saw that. Okay. But there's a movie 
where basically like the planet is going to freeze. People do the math and they're like, you got to get below this latitude. And then they cut to like, you know, out in the world. And all these Americans are like trying to get into Mexico Mm -hmm. because you got to go south. right? Ah. And the Mexican guards are at the border keeping the Americans out. I think that that's what's going to happen. There are going to be people who are like, we got to get out of here. And all the places that are accepting you, you're not going to be able to bring your fake printed wealth. Yeah, but what about places like Mount Wyoming and probably other parts of the country where they'll have embraced Bitcoin and well, again, they'll probably become like what I'm thinking is they're going to become the new New York cities. Maybe the financial hubs of the country. Maybe. But like you said, what if the government's coming for Wyoming? Yeah. What if they arrest the governor for passing this law? Like, you got to have your line, right? I, I say this all the time. Everyone has their line. Oh, absolutely. I agree. I agree with what you're saying. But I also, like you said, you are in an echo chamber. And I think that silly to think that as time goes by, there aren't going to be Bitcoiners that grow into powerful positions where they might change the minds of the, you know, like leading institutions in this country. Like even in Congress, like right now, if there's one senator that's a Bitcoin, I don't know if they're a Bitcoin maxi or just a Bitcoin or whatever that is, probably in 10 years, that number will be higher and so on, especially in the House of Reps, it'll probably be a drastically larger number. As we see, like we have a dying population of people in Congress that are going to die in the next 10, 20 years. And then everyone's going to be incredibly younger. We're already seeing that trend happen. So I'm just saying, I think there's other ways that all of this could play out, at least in America. I'm not saying that's how it's going to play out. What I'm saying is that everyone has their line. And I think Bitcoiners line is very close. Close to what? To I'm out. I don't think it's like a crazy scenario happening that Bitcoiners are just going to leave. And I think they're all going to congregate in El Salvador because Bitcoin is currency in El Salvador. So when you spend your Bitcoin in El Salvador, if you take your Bitcoin to El Salvador, you become an El Salvadorian citizen and you start spending your Bitcoin, you don't have to pay 30, 35 percent income tax or ca- sorry, capital gains tax on all your Bitcoin. I'm not letting you keep 30% mm-hmm. of my money just because I want to say I'm an American. Like, that's not worth it to me. Yeah. Me, not me, but me, the, the hypothetical person. So I think that, like, that line is very close. And I think a lot of people have been there. We've always heard people say, like, oh, I'm moving to Canada or this or that and the third. Fundamentally, there's nothing different in Canada. It's just a different kind of suck. Yeah. Right? I, I No, I, I hear what you're saying. So... But- There are also going to be other countries that make Bitcoin legal tender too. Yeah, I I don't know. I do agree with you. I just don't think that they're going to be that many, number one. And number two, I think El Salvador, for better or worse, is... Catering to Bitcoiners. No, no. This is is my whole point is like, I'm going to say this directly to you. Like, you don't like people with money. It's not that I don't like people with money. It's that I think... You have to be careful where you have people with a lot of money coming in somewhere where people don't have a lot of money. Agreed. Just because people have a lot of money doesn't mean that they're bad people. Yeah, that's true. And I would argue that Bitcoiners, in order to understand Bitcoin, you can only be so bad. 
I know you say that because those are your people, but I, I don't know. I don't know if that's true to for me. I'm just like, they're just people. And maybe this makes sense to them, but maybe this makes sense to them because all they care about is making money and they, I don't know. Like I, I, I am not in the space of if someone's a Bitcoiner equals good person. Right. And but- you are, you're like, oh, if they're a Bitcoiner, they're probably, they have the same ethos as me and they have the same values. Right. And- they have the same fundamental understanding, which is the current system is no good. And th- but that doesn't mean that they're not people that won't exploit other people or oppress other people. That do- that doesn't. I hear the word oppress, and I'm just gonna say like I, I disagree. I know you disagree, like, but I-, I think that like just assuming that people are bad is worse than just assuming that people are good. It's not assuming that pe- I'm not assuming that people are bad. I'm just not assuming that people are good. That's the difference. No, you said on the last episode that you don't trust people that have money because they had to have oppressed someone to no, get it. billionaires. Okay, well, when Bitcoin gets to a certain point, there's going to be a lot of Bitcoin billionaires. There's a lot of Bitcoiners right now. There's a lot of Bitcoiners right now. Billionaires in the sense of fiat, but yeah. There's a lot of Bitcoiners right now in their lifetime are going to be the equivalent of billionaires today. But they got their money not by oppressing people. But how many how many Bitcoiners will be in that situation? There's only so much Bitcoin. There's only a handful of Bitcoiners that have, what, hundreds of million, like who have a million Bitcoin. The number of Bitcoin doesn't matter. You're just talking about a percentage of the overall wealth. We live in a world with billions today yeah. because the percentage of the wealth is always changing and yeah. being, like it's just continually growing, yeah. right? What used to be a billionaire is now a billionaire. Exactly. Yeah. But on Bitcoin, if you have 100 Bitcoin today, you have the same fraction as you do tomorrow, mm-hmm. right? For anyone who has over 100 Bitcoin, they're probably going to be the equivalent of a billionaire. Really? A billionaire? Yes. Hmm. There's 100 million Satoshis yeah. in a Bitcoin. So 100 times 100 million. Like... That's a lot of the the thought that one day it'll get to one dollar equals one Satoshi. Uh, The thought is that one day you would prefer Satoshis over dollars and thus the dollar is worth nothing. But couldn't a Satoshi be a penny? Okay, so if the Satoshi is a penny, that means that one Bitcoin is worth a million dollars. Yeah. I ask you again, someone who has one Bitcoin today who got that Bitcoin for a dollar in 2008 because, uh, oh, I don't know. They lost their job and were at Occupy Wall Street and got radicalized. Let me finish. That's, this is ra- a different scenario than the reality that we're in today with fiat. When you know that fiat exploits. Right. But my point here is that the people that have the Bitcoin that are going to be the extremely wealthy because of this shift that's mm-hmm. about to happen, you're going to take your pre-Bitcoin fiat mindset and apply it to Bitcoiners that got wealthy. I'm not applying it to those people. But that's what you're saying when you say you got to be careful. I'm it's still like, saying you got to be careful. Like power and money corrupts. It does. Like it does. You're telling me it doesn't? It's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that you're not talking about people who were trying to be scammers in the fiat world and became rich. A lot of these people took in a very extreme risk by yeah. putting their money into Bitcoin because they thought the current system was broken. But you could say that about all the people in the altcoin 
game. Why? How could you do that? Just because they were wrong and misinformed. Like, right, there but, were some people who really were like, yeah, this is going to be but the reason how why, I'm going to get my family out of out of the situation. But the reason why they were wrong is because fundamentally that was their greed kicking in. They weren't trying to exit the fiat system. They were trying to make more money in the fiat system. Or maybe they misunderstood and they thought that this was just a better bet than Bitcoin or like, I, I mean, look, what here's, if your plan is to sell is, for babe, dollars, if your plan is to sell for dollars, then you weren't actually trying to fix anything. My point, babe, is that the assumption that Bitcoiners are good, I don't have that assumption. You've been in it longer and like that's the assumption you lead with. But it's just not an assumption that I lead with. They're just people. That's that's how I am about it. Right. But you asked me earlier, like, oh, if someone had inscriptions, would that be a red flag? Yeah. Right. Okay. A red flag, not Part of the ethos. And you say all the time, we don't talk about it on the pod because like we don't want to be defamatory, but there are Bitcoiners that the Bitcoin community kind of pushes out sometimes because they do things that kind of expose that they're not real Bitcoiners, right? So that's why I asked like, oh, would this be a red flag? Because it would lend to those situations where suddenly you're like, oh, wait a second. This person was just trying to make money off the different scams that are out there. Yeah, I believe that if you're a scammer, it will eventually surface. But what I'm getting at is that in the next five years, I'm talking about a very short time period here. Like I'm talking maybe two presidential elections tops where people are actually like, screw it, I'm leaving. I already so you're saying in five years, maybe you have one Bitcoin, you could be a millionaire. Because um, before you were saying it was like 10, 20 years. No, 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 well... Because if that's the case, guys, you guys need to download Fallon. Stop using Apple Podcasts. <laughs> that's a good callback. <laughs> um, no, I'm being serious because you you used to be real casual about your timelines. Now you're like, in five years, babe. I wasn't talking about the price of Bitcoin. <laughs> I'm talking about people who have tens to hundreds of Bitcoins being like, I'm out. Yeah, if you have them, tens. If you have 10 Bitcoin at the next presidential election and Joe Biden gets reelected, I guarantee you there are Bitcoiners moving to El Salvador. I will bet money on that. Who has to win for people, them to stay? I don't know. But if Joe Biden gets elected. Kanye re- West. Kanye West I'm is kidding. not a politician. I'm saying like there's no unless it's a Bitcoiner who who could win that it would make Bitcoiners stay. Well, the way that you're describing that. There's two different categories of of candidates, right? And Joe Biden has been objectively terrible for the economy. Like that's just a fact. People are out here talking about the price of eggs. I don't know the last time people talked about the price of eggs. Like I could talk to my dad about the last time people talked about the price of eggs or the price of anything being having gone up so much so fast. People are paying attention. Right. But whoever else comes in. Mm-hmm. Okay. But my point like, is that's what I'm asking. But my point is, is that <laughs> you have people that have chosen to put their money into Bitcoin because they think that the current system is broken. Mm-hmm. That is the current system has been broken. Sure. And there hasn't been an option. It's not all on Joe Biden. Bitcoin started 14 years ago now. Did I get Uh that right? Yep. Yep. I'm not saying that everything being broken is on Joe Biden. But what I am saying is that Joe Biden came in, made things worse, objectively worse, very fast. What would be making things better? Moving to the Bitcoin standard? What would make things better? Uh, I don't know. Stop this war in Ukraine. Mm hmm. Probably not going to do it if Joe Biden gets reelected. So if the person that comes in behind him stops the war, that might be a good signal. So you think like if 
the person that comes in or the alternative candidate would be someone who says we're not printing any more money. I don't think you'll get elected if you say you're not printing more money. I know. That's why I'm, you but, know. But this is, this is my point though. That's is that, where I go to like, what's inevitable in your mind? What is the inevitable, inevitable way that these things will play out? There are. Regardless of who's in power or what thing happens here, or what things happen there. If you're a Bitcoiner at this point, maybe you've been a Bitcoiner or in five years, you've been a Bitcoiner for 10 years years and you see there's this country that's setting up bitcoin island right mm-hmm. as we like to call it mm-hmm. you're going anyways those people are already going maybe they don't want to go to el salvador you're right maybe there's another country that they're waiting madeira seems nice mm-hmm. maybe they're waiting for madeira to like become bitcoin legal tender and do all the stuff that el salvador is doing right but fundamentally if you have 100 bitcoin and you're sitting in america right now you're just shopping for where you're going at this point you're not staying in america for the next multiple decades you're just not because as things deteriorate your options grow and as things deteriorate you realize like okay i've been trying to convince y'all to buy bitcoin you're surrounding friends and family for five, six, seven, eight years and you haven't done it and eggs are now $30 and you still don't get it and you you reelected Joe Biden, right? Like, and you were like cheering on that he got elected. Like, I think that person's just like, I'm done with you people. And all I'm saying is that the more Bitcoin you have, the sooner you'll get to that point because as things deteriorate, its value is going to increase because as they print more money, it will just naturally cause Bitcoin to appreciate. Right. So in that situation, what you've just described, it seems like it's inevitable because if it's not Joe Biden, it's going to be someone like Joe Biden. You just said they're never going to elect someone who's going to say we're not going to print more money. No. So in that situation, you're saying that the value of the dollar is going to go down and the value of Bitcoin is going to be going drastically up because things are just getting worse. Yeah, but. So is the timeline five years, the value of Bitcoin is going to skyrocket? It's not what I'm saying at all. It's just if you have 100 Bitcoin, like if that's you had enough a, for you. If you had 1,000 Bitcoin right now, mm-hmm. in five years, you're probably golden. If you have 100 Bitcoin right now, it might be eight years. If you have 10 Bitcoin, it might be 12 years, right? Like Because all of those are halvings that are mm-hmm. going to happen. On one of those halvings, it's going to get to the point where your options are fundamentally, as far as you've considered your entire life, limitless. Right. Like I think people's imaginations are kind of constrained by their options. But when your options are unlimited, if you're sitting on a thousand Bitcoin, which there aren't that many people. So I'm going to use a hundred because a lot more people have a hundred Bitcoin. There's a lot more wallet addresses that have a hundred Bitcoin. So if you have a hundred Bitcoin and Bitcoin goes to one million dollars a coin, why would I stay here? Yeah, but when it's not going to happen in five, ten years. Might be eight. Really? Might be two halvings. All right, guys. Download Found Podcast. But, but this is fundamentally my point. Because is- I will say, like, you don't talk this way at all, ever. And so it's very, like, interesting to me that you're talking about it this way. Oh, right I now. talk about it like this all the time. No, you're always like, because well, there's always this joke whenever Ian sends me anything about, you know, really positive stuff about Bitcoin. I'm like, so can I quit my job? And he'll say, not yet. So five to eight years, can I quit my job? Because before you used to say 15, 20. 20 years guaranteed. Yeah, that's retirement. <laughs> right? Okay. So you could be in this for the normal life cycle yeah, of things yeah. where like you just retire and you just live a great life on your Bitcoin because you're retired. Mm-hmm. Everything that's going to happen in the next 20 years, in my opinion, this is not financial advice. In my opinion, everything that's going to happen is just going to move that timeline up. 
Mm-hmm. Nothing is going to happen that's going to cause your retirement to go further into the future if you have Bitcoin. Now, there's a lot of people in France that don't have Bitcoin and the government just pushed their retirement back mm-hmm. and they're rioting because of it. Mm-hmm. Right. Because they were expecting, oh, I'm going to be done at 55. But it turns out not your keys, not your coin. Yeah. They get to decide when you retire. I mean, when they did that to us in America, no one. <laughs> No one rioted. So good on France. Good on France, right? But what I'm saying is that your retirement, your personal retirement is locked in. You're definitely done in 20 years, right? Now, that could be 10. Yeah. Right? Or four. It could be four. Or um, a year. We don't. My point is like, my point is (laughs) that. Your girl's tired. My point is that we don't know. But what we do know is that if Joe Biden gets reelected, Nothing is going to change. And things have been getting objectively bad for the last two years. Started a war in Ukraine. A lot of people are going to try to say that Joe Biden didn't start this war in Ukraine. I fundamentally disagree with them. They started a war with Russia in Ukraine. They also blew up the Nord Stream pipeline that belonged to Russia. Russia's not going to let that slide. I don't know what Russia's going to do to retaliate, but they're not going to let that slide. The reason why... No one is putting these two things together is because no one is talking about the fact that they basically admitted that they blew up Russia's pipeline. It has been factually proven that this is what they did. Now, if they're going to say they're not involved in this Ukraine war, but then also admit to blowing up a pipeline, that's an act of war. Really? Is that the narrative out there that the United States is in an war with Russia? No, we're supplying resources yeah, to Ukraine. it's a proxy war. It's a proxy war that we're blowing stuff up on behalf yeah. of like, no. That's how we do proxy wars in but America, my point, baby. My point, is that, my point is that this proxy <laughs> it's war. very American of us. This proxy war is messing with the food on the entire planet. It is. 20% of all the grain in the world comes out of Ukraine and it's not coming out of Ukraine this year. Mm-hmm. So that's 20% less food for the whole world. I don't know what that's going to mean, but it ain't going to be good. Mm-hmm. Fertilizer comes out of Ukraine and Russia. That ain't happening. So like if they just keep doing exactly what they're doing, things aren't getting better in a place like the United States where people have had this illusion that, well, we're, no matter how bad it gets, it's going to be fine here. That illusion is already starting to break. People are paying $10 for eggs and they want to know why. And it don't make sense. And they, they just don't understand how this is possible. And if you're a Bitcoiner, you fundamentally understand how it's possible and you're looking for a place where that's no longer possible. Yeah. And I, right now that place is El Salvador. I want to close with some advice on eggs. If you're in America, go to the fancy organic store and buy the fancy eggs because they're cheaper than regular eggs. The price of eggs that I normally buy has not changed in the past six months. Yeah, when you're already paying an expensive <laughs> price, like you're just used to it's the price. It's less than the price of regular eggs, so. Or, you know, find a farmer. Tip. Yep, find a farmer. We have a farmer that we normally buy eggs from significantly cheaper than anything, but they're just, you know, it's, it's winter. They don't have farmer's markets out here during the winter, but. And if you got some land, maybe you start raising some chickens. So just a lot of like financial tips today, like download the Fountain app, mm-hmm. find a farmer yep, and stack them sats. Yeah. You know, if you're listening to our podcast, I feel like you guys know what's up. You know, you've heard me go on these rants multiple times. Seriously, like share this with your friends. Share this with your family. Maybe you're not making the argument well enough. Maybe I'm not making the argument well enough. They are breaking a lot of stuff right now. And the financial tip that I would give, if I'm giving anything, is just acknowledge how broken it is 
is start looking for how to protect yourself. Now, I would argue Bitcoin is that first piece of protection. Other people probably tell you, you know, buy guns and other things. And maybe that's also true. But the first line of defense, according to Ian, is having some Bitcoin. Well, I feel protected, babe, thanks to you. And because we're flirting with Bitcoin, flirting with Bitcoin tonight. Yeah, I'm definitely cutting that. No. <laughs> we're going to keep it. <laughs>